Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Thank you so much for your company on another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And today, football is the subject of our program. It is an achievement in itself to play AFL football. But when you can win your club championship three times and when you can captain your club, then that in itself is a great achievement. And my guest today has done those things. Andrew Swallow. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you uh, having me. It's good to have you on the program. It is an achievement. Do you look back on that now that you're a retired footballer, and we'll talk some more about that, but do you look back and think, well, I've actually squeezed every last drop out of the lemon to be able to captain my club and to win the best and fairest on three occasions? That's no mean feat. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, probably when you, you're going sort of or you reach a milestone and you're still playing, you you're always thinking about, okay, what's next and, and what else, um, you know, can we achieve? But, um, you know, now that I've I've been out for, um, you know, a few months now to be able to sit back and just, um, you know, sort of look at, I suppose, our club history and realise that only, you know, I think it's 41 or 42 guys have ever captained the club. Um, so to be able to do that, plus win a, a few best and fairest, um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud that, um, you know, I was able to achieve that. The one thing that is uh, common with all of the guests that I've had on the program, Andrew, who played AFL football, is that they may have played for a long time, but when they retire, they feel as though their career was over in a heartbeat. Was it like that for you? Um, yeah, it probably um, finished a bit quicker than I probably thought it might. Um, but, you know, to be able to... Um, you know, play for, for 12 years at, at um, you know, AFL level was... Yeah, it um, it does go pretty quickly, and um, yeah, I'm excited about the next next phase of life um, and what that entails. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it was a great period, which um, I was really thankful for. You touched on the fact that the end came quickly for you. You go from club captain in 2016 to all of a sudden, essentially being told that you were no longer required. Did that come as a, a shock to you, or was it a gradual process that you felt as though? Um, North didn't have a place for you? Uh, it was probably more, you know, probably over the last um, year when I finished, you know, sit down in 2016. Um, you know, we just sort of parted ways with, um, you know, four outstanding players, you know, some club legends in Brent Harvey and uh, Drew Petrie, Michael Faride. So, you know, I sort of knew the club was heading in a, yeah, I suppose, in a um, regeneration sort of period. So, um, you know, I thought it was a great time. Um, you know, to sort of hand the, the captaincy over and, and let the next generation of, of players come through. But I suppose, um, you know, I still thought I would, uh, you know, be able to provide a, a lot of leadership because, you know, they are very young um, now. So I still thought I had another um, year or so left. But, um, yeah, in the end, it was, um, you know, it was my decision to probably finish up when I did. I still had another year to go there, but just felt like it, it wasn't, um, going to be a great fit and um, yeah just thought I'd rather go out and on my own t- own terms and um, you know leave it up to them. 
Did you want to get to the Gold Coast to play with your brother? Yeah, I would have loved to. Um, that was the aim. We, we, you know, it wasn't just um, about, um, you know, the footy club. It was also, you know, we wanted to... I've been in Melbourne for 12 years and grew up in Perth and, um, you know, I've got two young kids now and we wanted to, to sort of get a bit of um, some warmer weather and, um, yeah, we just thought that um, a move would be would be great and we sort of tossed up whether we go back to Perth and uh, or um, come up to the Gold Coast where my brother David was and, um, yeah, we pursued that and, yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, it didn't quite come off. So, yeah, I decided that, well, it was, it was probably time to to call it and, and move on. So what was the feedback, Andrew, that you got from the football club? Because everybody who has seen you play admired your courage. We know that you're not the fastest player in the world, but you had that ability to be where the ball is um, as compared to what the great Jack Dye used to say, he's always where the ball ain't. But you were where the ball is. What was the feedback you got from the club? What was the reason that they said to you that your time was coming to an end? Uh, I don't think they ever, like it was never pushed from the footy club. I just felt like, you know, from my point of view where I, where I saw um, where North Melbourne was going and, um, you know, probably the experiences that I, that I had in, in 2017, I just felt like it was, you know, my role was probably not as valued as it, it had been um, and it was just time to sort of get out of there and, um, you know, do something different. And I just felt like I'd be treading water if I, I'd stayed at the footy club. Did that hurt you, given the fact that you'd invested your heart and soul and a lot of blood, sweat and tears into that football club? The fact that you didn't see your role being the same going ahead, was that of any concern to you after all the time you'd been there? Oh, like, I think it, you know, it always hurts when you have to move on. Um, you know, like, I, yeah, as you said, you, you put in so much um, and you, you, you're invested and, and you want to see them succeed and, and go really well, so... It was hard, but you also understand that that's that's part of footy, uh, and and the footy club never ever said to me at any stage um, that they wanted me gone or anything like that. Um, I just had a feeling like it was our time was done, and and the club, um, you know, the club tried to work things um, with me. If you know, if I could get to the Gold Coast, they were really happy to try and work it so I could get up there, and um, you know, they were very happy if I wanted to play on this year and. And, and keep going, but in the end we sort of came to terms and, and yeah, finished up. So how realistic was it to get to the Gold Coast, Andrew? Was it close at all? Um, well, it depends on who you chat to at the Gold yeah. Coast. So I definitely, um, you know, definitely I, I sat down or had a chat with, with and the coaches. Um, you know, I met um, Scotty Clayton, who was then recruiting manager. Um, you know, so I sort of felt like I was... Um, definitely a chance, um, but probably, you know, now having reflected over a little while and, and have, you know, further chats with, with different guys at the footy club uh, at the Gold Coast that um, although a lot of people were really keen, um, you know, there was probably a couple of guys who just thought that um, my age profile and, and um, you know, them probably having three or four guys in, in a similar vein, um, at their footy club already that it probably wasn't quite the fit that, that they were looking for. You spoke about those leadership qualities. When you get to your stage of your playing career at 30 years of age, it's not purely about the amount of times that you're going to be able to get the football and uh, the percentage of effective disposals you're going to have. Leadership is a very important quality. And given the fact that those players that you mentioned before had left the football club, 
it seems from an outside point of view that they would have been looking for more experienced players rather than moving on experienced players, even though you say you weren't moved on, but your role had changed. Yeah, yeah like I, I suppose that the, probably the one thing um, was that North uh, had, a, had a lot of probably similar type of players to me or, or could, could fill the same sort of role. So, um, you know, when you got Jack Siebel and, and Ben Cunnington and they wanted to give Trent Jamont um, more of a go through there. Um, Sean Higgins sort of came up and, and played some great footy through there last year. So I, I think they probably felt like they they were quite um, well covered in that area. And although, um, yeah, they, they would have loved for me to have, have stayed, um, you know, I didn't really want to do that if it wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't going to be able to play football in the, the area of the ground that I really um, thought I was best suited to. We were talking about the possibility of you going up to join your brother, but it nearly happened in the reverse, didn't it? I think David at one stage was heading down towards North Melbourne. There was a possibility he might have become a shin boner. Um, yeah, well, it definitely was spoken about. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly when, but earlier in his career. And, um, you know, I think we were really pushing into sort the of 2014 and 15 and, um, you know, to, to play finals and looking to add talent. And obviously David was... Um, uh, you know, going really well at the Gold Coast, and yeah, you know, but he was also really keen uh, on sort of sticking around, and um, he yeah, enjoyed it up here, and he, he you know, enjoys the weather. Uh, his partner George is up here, and, um, and they sort of felt comfortable. So yeah, it was uh, was definitely something that we we spoke about, and um, yeah, just unfortunately never never came to fruition. I think he's just recently become a father too, hasn't he? Yes, he has. So he's got a, I think, a, a three-week-old now, a little, or not even be four weeks, a, a little baby boy, Charlie. So, which has been really great. You know, I've got my my two kids, um, and so you know, to be able to, I live in Byron Bay now, which is uh, probably an hour from his place. So, you know, we spent a lot of, a lot of time over the past few months um, hanging out with them, which is, yeah, it, it, you know, it's been really nice, and um, you know, something that I've, that I've really missed, and um, you know, being down in Melbourne. So. Um, yeah, we're, we're looking to hopefully stick around here for for a bit longer. People from the outside, Andrew, look at AFL footballers and they, they see these ridiculous amounts of money bandied around in newspapers and saying, well, you've got a privileged life. But there are a lot of sacrifices and people quite don't understand the, the pull away from family, the pull away from, as you said, you're a West Australian boy. There are a lot of sacrifices that need to be made along the way. Yes, you are in a privileged position, but you've still got to sacrifice things to get there. Yeah, most definitely. I, you know, I always think um, what I, I suppose, had to give up or, um, you know, like I know a lot of people use sacrifices and it's, um, yes, they are sacrifices, but I, I suppose I never like to look at, at them in that sort of term. Um, you know, I always thought that the things that I'll, the experiences that I had, um, the people that I met, you know, the travel that I got to do, um, you know, far outweighed anything that I had to give up. But, yeah, definitely it's it's not an easy lifestyle. Um, you know, it's only sort of now after a few months um, that I've, I've finished up and just the, the change in uh, even your, your mindset and, you know, sort of you stop thinking about, oh, what, what food have I eaten or, you know, am I hydrated enough or how much sleep have I had? Um, just constantly running through your mind all the time and, you know, what have I got to do? I've got to be at this, you know, um, meeting at this time and I've got to function on tomorrow night. There's just always things going through your mind um, and you've always got to be on top of it if you want to, I suppose, be able to, to match it and, um, 
keep up with the sort of the, the best in the competition. Can you remember a moment since you've pulled the pin, your retirement, where you've been sitting there and you thought, oh, no, I can't eat that, and then you thought, oh, yes, I can. Yeah, stuff it. I'm going to have that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like I definitely think the first, um, you know, a month or two, any time there was um, hot chips on the, on the <laughs> table, I was always getting stuck into them or, you know, having a beer. Um, midweek was always a, a, a nice thing, so I think... You know, after I got to about Christmas time and I just felt like I was, yeah, <laughs> not feeling uh, great in, in my body. So I now back into a, a bit more of a, a routine and, you know, I'm back out sort of I'm playing footy again this year at a, a, um, a lower level and, and really enjoying that and um, back into sort of some good habits with um, eating. I think yeah, the one thing you've, you've been doing it for so long, you just get used to um, feeling fit and um, so I think that's something I'll, I'll always want to, to do and, and you know, eat healthy. One of the, my previous guests on the program was Boomer, Brent Harvey, and he just yeah. talked about the fact that he loved training. He loved everything about footy. Yeah. He loved playing, but he loved training as well. Were you one of those? And, and the second part of that question is, if you were not one of those, uh, did you sit back and think, oh, thank God, no pre-season? <laughs> um, yeah, de- oh, definitely... Um, I, like I enjoyed training. I don't think I ever enjoyed training to the level that um, Boomer uh, did. He was, yeah, he was just a freak to, you know, to be able to go till he was 37, 38. Um, you know, I don't think I would ever be able to, to have gotten that far. Um, but yeah, I enjoy training. But um, I'm definitely glad that the, the pre seasons were over. The, you know, the last couple, especially, um, you know, I found really taxing. Um, not just physically but almost um you know more mentally having to sort of get up and the grind of just you know making sure you're right uh, to be able to get through each session and, and get the volume of work um you know i think especially in my early 20s and um mid-20s it wasn't as bad and um you know i was up until i did my achilles in 2013 had had you know very few injuries so um you know i, I always felt good and was able to run but the last for the couple of, of seasons, you know, it really took its sort of toll on me. So what lingering effects do you have when your body has been battered over 224 games and when you play inside like you did, do you have any long-lasting effects and, and long-term problems as a result of all the collisions and the contact that you had in your game? Uh, I've got a, a couple, but I, like, I think I'm, I'm relatively lucky. Um, to escape with, you know, I suppose pretty minor things. Um, you know, probably my knees are the ones that would probably give me the, the most grief. Um, you know, I just had a, my left knee, I get a bit of tendinopathy um, still and, you know, even trying to, um, you know, get up, like sort of go out there and run around um, at a local level of footy this year, you know, it still gives me a, a bit of grief and you have to still do things to make sure you can get out there um, week in, week out. So that's probably the one thing, um, you know, I probably need to get my right shoulder done um, or have a um, reco on it at some stage just to, to fix up um, a few bits and, and pieces in there. But otherwise, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty good. You talked about, Andrew, playing at the local level. What has that rekindled in you as far as your enjoyment of football is concerned? Because as much as you love footy, when you're playing AFL footy, it is a business, it is a job, and there's a lot of responsibilities and meetings, and it's a very professional existence. What's the thing that you like most about getting there and playing local footy again? 
Uh, well, it's funny because I actually never thought I would ever want to go and play um, footy when I, I finished. And um, the way everything panned out, and I just felt like, I, you know, it would be a nice way to, um, you know, because I probably finished at least one year earlier than I thought I would. Um, you know, it would be a nice way to just exit the game. And, um, yeah, to be honest, like, I think it's just getting out there and, it, it, like, it's just for fun. Um, you're just out there to have a bit of a run around, keep fit, um, you know, track a few gags with the, the guys and, and just enjoy yourself. And you know, it has, I suppose, rekindled um, my love of footy to, to when I was a kid. Um, I don't think I've ever enjoyed going to training as much as um, I have at the moment. Um, you know, even being able to go and, um, you know, have a beer with the boys after training um, <laughs> was something you'd never ever consider at AFL level. But to be able to do it uh, is something really nice. And, yeah, it's just a... I think a great way to get back, as you said, it's a, like when you're playing AFL, it's a, it's, it becomes a job after a while. So to be able to just get back to that, that pure enjoyment um, has been really nice. You touched on that enjoyment as a kid. When we come back on the other side of the break, I want to talk to you about where the journey all began for Andrew Swallow, three-time best and fairest winner at North Melbourne and North Melbourne skipper for five seasons. We'll be back with Andrew on the other side of the break on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. And what a pleasure it is to have Andrew Swallow as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You touched, Andrew, on the fact that you're a boy from the West. Tell us about your childhood. Yeah, we, uh, I've got three brothers. So, obviously, David plays uh, up at the, the Gold Coast. And uh, I've got an older brother, Chris, and a, a younger brother, Simon, who's in between David and, my, and myself. So, yeah, four boys. We grew up in, in Perth in a... Um, a suburb called Shelley and yeah we were I suppose always out and about in the backyard we had a pool at a trampoline and um, you know my childhood was uh, memories of um, you know being very happy of yeah just being outside and um, running around and I suppose burning as much energy as, as we could. So when you were kicking the footy in the backyard everyone pretty much had someone they pretended to be who were you when you were a young kid kicking the footy in the backyard? So being over in Perth, uh, I was a big, big West Coast supporter. So, uh, you know, early days it would have been Peter Matera, Dean Kemp, uh, and then sort of, you know, as I got into early high school, it was, you know, Daniel Kerr, um, Chris Judd, Ben Cousins. Um, you know, they were sort of, sort of, sort of guys that I sort of grew up, um, and then fortunately was able to, to play against quite a few of them. What was that experience like when you line up against the guys who've been your idols? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I played West Coast in Perth in my first year, so that was nice to be back in front of family and friends. And um, yeah, <laughs> I think they were at their you know 2006, so they were right at their their sort of peak. Um, and I just remember getting belted up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think I had my head bandaged up, and I think Daniel Chick might have given me a bit of a, a clip across the head. Um, so yeah, it was a, a great experience, and. Um, you know, one that I suppose really toughened me up to play footy at that, that senior level. Going back to being a kid, you said you're a West Coast supporter. Did you have a waffle team as well? Because a lot of people had their local, especially in WA and, and also SA, you had your local team and then you had your AFL team. Were you one of those? Yeah, so I, I um, grew up following East Fremantle. They were the sort of um, area I was aligned to. So, you know, when you were playing footy as a 13, 14-year-old, you were sort of trying to make their 
um, so-called development squads, which sort of meant you were one of the better kids um, in the area. So I think that always um, attracted you to sort of follow them. And, um, you know, if I'd gone back to Perth uh, at the end of uh, last year, I probably would have gone back and played with them because I still, still really um, interested in, in seeing how they're going. As a kid, Andrew, was your level of ability always such that you knew you were destined for the big time or did you progressively bloom as you were a child? Uh, well, I suppose I, look, initially I never started playing until I was um, 11 or 12. I never played Auskick or any of those sort of early um, age groups because my mum was actually, she was um, worried that we would get injured so she never wanted to, to um, let us play and um, you know, I grew up in a, a sort of Christian household as well, so footy was always on a on a Sunday um, in those early days. So we yeah we weren't allowed to play, and I eventually sort of just after lobbying mum and dad um, hard for a, a number of years. Uh, I think I was 11 when I was first allowed to go back and play down at the the Rossmore Junior Footy Club, and um, yeah, I think fairly early on I showed that I was um, you know reasonably good at, at my age level, but. I sort of don't think you ever know how good you are until you probably go and play against kids um, from around Australia. Um, and I, you know, probably the first opportunity I got to do that was a, at a state 15 um, schoolboys age group, and you know, I made the um, all Australian team. So that was probably the, the first time that I sort of thought, oh, maybe this might be a, uh, you know, AFL might be a, um, an option for me. Who were some of the kids in that 15s team that also went on? Um, so Brett Delidio, um was in uh, that All Australian team. I'm trying to think. We had guys like guys in our um, WA team. Um, Buddy Franklin, obviously. Uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Now <laughs> he's going right. Paddy, uh, sorry, Mitch Clark was um, also my age group, um, and then later years of, of you know sort of school footy. Oh, sorry, um, state footy. You know, Paddy Ryder. Uh, was there, Gary Kibbertson. Um, so we had a few, um, you know, Mitch Morton, fairly handy players that were sort of running through. Take us back, Andrew, to 2005. The national draft's on. 42 picks have gone through and you haven't heard your name mentioned. And a pick 43, out it comes and you're heading to North Melbourne. What was your immediate reaction about going to the other side of the country? I guess you knew that that was the reality of being a professional footballer, that you could finish up anywhere. Yeah, well, I suppose like it, I probably had to go back the year before. So, you know, I was uh, I'd finished school in Perth at seventeen, um, two thousand and two thousand four. Um, I played, um, you know, in the previous years before that, state schoolboys, fifteens, um, played under sixteens, made the AOS squad, which is you know now the AFL Academy, and then um, played the, the WA under eighteen at a um, you know bottom age sort of level. So. And during that year, um, leading up to the 2004 draft, um, about halfway through the year, they changed the, the age limit of the draft. So it went from, say, 30 June to 30 April, um, and which sort of meant that I had become exempt from the draft. And then I got a call about a month um, out from the draft saying there's about a 10 guys that are in your um, bracket um, that have just been made exempt. Um, do you want to put your hand, um, hand up and go on the draft? So I ended up doing that. Uh, and I didn't get picked up. So going into the 2005 draft, um, I actually went down south, I think, from Perth. Um, 
with my girlfriend and now wife and um, yeah, had no idea what was going on in the draft. I had a call, I think, from a manager after the first or second round, just letting me know I hadn't picked, been picked up yet. So yeah, I had no idea until um, my manager actually called me. I wasn't following it. I didn't sort of want to have to um, deal with anyone at all um, in case yeah I, um, I didn't get drafted. But yeah, when he called to say that um, you know I was going to go to North Melbourne, I was just yeah ecstatic just to be able to give them given an opportunity to, to sort of get onto an AFL list. Had you had any contact from any of the clubs in the lead up to that 2005 draft? Did uh, the feelers come out for you? Um, uh, yeah, like I've spoken to a lot of clubs. Um, you know, I suppose all you can go off is, is the information that your your manager was um, feeding through to you at that time and. Um, I think he thought maybe Fremantle and Collingwood were the ones that were most keen. Um, when he actually called me, I think after the, the second round of the draft, I think he said Adelaide had told him they were going to pick me up with their next pick, which was pick 44. So, um, yeah, fortunately North Melbourne jumped in with one pick before that. And, um, yeah, I, I can't, I, you know, initially couldn't even remember speaking to North Melbourne. Um, but after sort of yeah, chatting with them further, I think we had spoken once at a, at the draft camp um, for a few minutes, but yeah, that was it. I'm always intrigued to get the reaction of my guests when they walk into the change rooms for the first time and see these familiar faces and people that they've been watching on television and they're at the top of their caper. What was that experience like for you? And also, who was the guy of the experienced players in the team who made that extra effort to come up and to put his arm around you and welcome you into the fold? Um, yeah, like it was yeah, incredible experience walking in. Um, I suppose the, the one thing being over in the West, you actually um, you didn't get to see many uh, North Melbourne games. Oh, I don't know, I never watched too many North Melbourne games, so I actually didn't have a, a huge grip on um, a huge amount of the players apart from you know the, your Brent Harveys, your Shannon Grants, uh, Glenn Archer, Adam Simpson. So they were the guys that were um, probably the ones that were instantly recognisable um, when I you know, first went in there and, and probably guys that really put a lot of time and effort. Um, you know, Shannon Grant was someone who, um, you know, really went out of his way to sort of, um, you know, really look after me and you know, took me out to quite a few dinners when I was um, in my early days. Daniel Harris, um, he was also in the midfield at that time. So, um, yeah, there was the guys that sort of really, um, you know, made that sort of transition as, as easy as it could be. How would you classify your first year? Did you find your feet quickly or were you just taken aback by the pace of the game when you first came in? Um, I don't think I found it too much of a a hard transition. I I suppose the one thing that I probably struggle with most is just not being able to run out of a game. Um, We did probably half the running load that um, a normal, um, you know, sort of... Oh, the, the, what the rest of the boys were doing all oh, the first years, you know, we do sort of half a session and then get told to go and do sort of six 80 metre strides at, you know, 75% and that was that was it. So, you know, I remember when I, um, you know, after my first game, um, you know, I got to about half time and I was absolutely stuffed. I was like, I didn't know how I was going to get through the second half. Um, but, you know, I think probably having played in the waffle for a year or two before that um, against men, you know, certainly helped, um, you know, transition probably better than most against um, playing with the men. It's an interesting point you make because everyone 
who has played against men at whatever level says that it does stand them in good stead compared to the the youngsters who come out of that very worthy underage competition. But it is such a huge step from uh, going uh, playing against uh, kids your own age to playing against the mature, fit, hardened bodies that exist in the AFL. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was, a, it was a big advantage for me. I played one um, waffle game as a sort of 16, 17-year-old and then... Um, the year I got drafted, pretty much played uh, the majority of the year in the, the reserves and uh, and then in you know the seniors for instrumental. Um, so to be able to play and, and train with those guys and um, you know like it just you go against playing with, um, kids your own age where you'd probably be a you know as a midfielder I'd be reasonably tall and then suddenly you go and step up against the the men and they're yeah so much taller, so much bigger, um, and you just get to learn a a better system and a, a, and it's a better quality of footy. Um, you know, and I think for my style of game, being able to put your head over the footy, um, you know, it was a really great challenge to be able to go and do that against guys that are, are much bigger than you. It's ironic, Andrew, that we spent a fair bit of time at the top of the program talking about the fact that you wanted to head to the Gold Coast because around about 10 years ago, a little bit more, it looked as though you might have been doing that anyway because the word was that North was going to head up there. Did you ever think that that was going to be your destiny? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I remember well, we obviously came up and played games up here for, for quite a few years um, and we really loved it. Um, you know, I remember talking to a lot of the, the players at that stage and I think anyone who was in their first or second year was was really keen to, to go up to the Gold Coast and, you know, get up with that warm weather. You know, I didn't really have any attachment to Melbourne at that stage, um, so I would have been very happy to have, have moved, but... Um, the guys that have been around for a long time, um, you know, they obviously had families and friends and, and didn't want to move, um, you know, and it, and it probably wasn't, um, oh, it probably would have happened unless probably James Brayshaw and, um, you know, the guys that he sort of put together at board level were able to come and um, really take a stand because I think, you know, otherwise we would have probably been up here and, um, yeah, it would have looked a lot different. In hindsight, was James Brayshaw's intervention a good thing for the football club? Because at that stage, it looked as though survival was very tenuous. Yeah. But as it turns yeah. out, well, you finished up in preliminary finals not that long after that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the work that, that James did and, and the guys that he sort of put around um, at that stage and, you know, the senior management did a outstanding job to be able to get the club to a point it is today. You know, to see that the facility that we have now, um, you know, the, you know, my first four or five years at the footy club, we were living in, or, you know, working out of just, you know, horrendous sort of facilities, um, old um, portable um, things, which I think burnt down at one stage. And, you know, you had homeless people sleeping in the, the car park um, at the front of the footy club. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, it was pretty tough, you know, conditions. When it rained, you always had to get buckets out to sort of soak up the water. Um, but that you sort of just didn't know any different. But now you look at where the footy club's at. Um, you know they've got very minimal debt. Um, you know I know they don't have pokies um, to be able to sort of fund that, which is um, you know great. Um, I suppose strength of the, of the footy club and, and where they're at. Um, you know they have great community outreach programs and the huddle um, there. So um, yeah, it's a great um, you know really great thing that, of, of what he did, was able to do. And um, you know if they can now work out some sort of alignment with, with Tasmania um, and to be able to continue to play footy down there, I think um, you know, the footy club's going to be able to continually grow and, and be in a, a, a really strong position. 
It's interesting you should make the point about not knowing any different. Um, when I was coming back from a, a game recently, I looked uh, at the documentary that was made, those brilliant AFL documentaries about the drawn game in 2010 in the grand final. And it was comparing the facilities that Collingwood had at the Westpac Centre as it was then to what St Kilda had at Moorabbin at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the players said it was terrible. You know, there were piece, pieces falling off things around them, but they didn't know any different because they hadn't been to the Westpac Centre. They hadn't been to Adelaide. So you you put up with what you had. Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, you, and it, it was probably became um, part of the fabric of the people that were sort of bred, um, you know, in, in, in through the footy club. Um, it was just, and probably the way we played our footy was just tough, uncompromising, um, with football, um, you know, we sort of we'd run out each you know game knowing that we were playing against guys that probably had much better, um, as you said, facilities. But um, you know, it didn't matter to us. We just wanted to go out there and and try and belt them up and and win as many games of footy as we could. Um, you know, we always considered a, a, a 50 kilo weight still a 50 kilo weight. Doesn't matter how nice and shiny it is, you're um, <laughs> still going to do the same same job. So um, you know, we weren't any worse off than. Um, what the other clubs were. We've talked about the start of your career, Andrew. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll continue to talk about uh, many of the ups and even the odd down along the way. Andrew Swallow is my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals. You can visit tobinbrothers.com.au or call 93737000 for more information. More with Andrew Swallow after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. And delighted to have Andrew Swallow as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Andrew, I mentioned your CV, three-time club champion um, and also captain of the football club. You represented Australia at the international rules. No premiership there, but that's not quite right because you did play in one premiership and I think I actually called you playing in a premiership, but it was in the VFL. Yeah, 2008, um, played for North Ballarat Roosters. So I think that was their first of um, three. They ended up going on and, and winning in a row. So, yeah, that was, a, um, I suppose, a little achievement along the way and, and something which was, um, you know, a great experience. And you got to play under a man who I admire greatly for what he's been able to do in football, Jared Fitzgerald. He's a, a great football man and a great teacher for the younger players. Yeah, no, he, he was. Um, I think the... the I suppose for, you know, I was in my third year at the footy club and, um, you know, we had Dean Laidley, who was the coach at North at that stage. Um, yeah, I think for me, probably the, the best thing about going back and playing with, with North Ballarat and Fitzy was just how welcoming um, he made you feel and, and how valued um, you, you always felt when you walked in their doors, um, you know, and he just had the ultimate respect of, of all the players and, you know, he, he um, really would sort of raise his voice and, and yell and scream. He was always, um, always positive. Um, and I think all the guys that went back there from, from North Melbourne really had a great time. And, um, you know, we sort of had yeah, a fair bit of success winning sort of three premierships over that um, period. The old Eureka Stadium's a bit different these days. It's now Mars Stadium. They've got that big grandstand. I was there for the Western Bulldogs game last year and it really does feel like a very good football stadium now. A bit different to when you were playing there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the best stadium, but um, yeah, you go out there and play in the middle of winter, and it was a, a fair advantage. Um, you know, sometimes it'd always be snowing and a uh, fair bit of mud um, around certain parts of the ground. So, you know, for for me, it was was great. Um, you know, be able to 
um, when it ra did rain to be able to win, um, you know, um, get a lot of contested footy and a lot of stoppages and, and clearances. Um, so that sort of really helped my development. I remember those days you're talking about very well. In fact, I've got a pair of long johns uh, back in my uh, drawer at home, which are basically dedicated to football at North Ballarat. Yeah, no, it's. I actually I remember um, playing footy with um, Jeff Smith, um, mm. who yeah, it was um, son of Ross, and um, yeah, we were playing at a game there, and I remember him coming off. Um, I think he almost had hypothermia. It was it was that cold and just. <laughs> going straight to the showers and just standing in the showers um, trying to get warm. Um, so it was, a, yeah, it was a fairly tough um, place to play footy. Well, uh, we talked about that highlight of your career, the three club championships. What was your best year, do you think? Um, my best year, I think uh, probably, 2000 and, probably 2012 and the start of um, probably the first half of 2013 um, was probably my best footy, you know, I went from um, playing in a, a VFL um, premiership in 2008 and, um, you know, I didn't even get a look in. Uh, I wasn't supposed to get a look in in round one the next year, 2009. Um, you know, when I was lucky enough, uh, I think Liam Anthony got a stress fracture in his foot two days out from the game. I was in emergency and I got the call from, from Dean saying that um, I was you know, going to play and um, then I went on and um, yeah, played that game, played okay, got another one, and yeah, I ended up winning the best and fairest that year. But it was a you know, fairly quick sort of turnaround um, from sort of not being in the team. Um, and then I think from sort of that period, from 2009 up until sort of 2013, um, you know, I was able to play probably my most you know consistent um, you know footy and. Um, you know, I probably went there at the period when I won those those best and fairest. But then 2013 probably came the most serious of your injuries when you played, and that was mm. the Achilles, and it came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. I, like, I, I think I sort of had a, a nick my soleus um, in my... So I did my left Achilles. I sort of, um, sort of gave it a little nick two, day, or two weeks before that, and was able to get through those games and, and felt okay. And even going into the game, um, you know, I did it against Melbourne at Etihad. Um, the only, the one thing, because, um, you know, you speak to different people about doing Achilles and they asked whether there was sort of any sort of indication, you know, whether you were tight or whatever. And I remember being, you know, just before the game, um, feeling yeah, a little bit tight just in that one spot. And that was the only time I ever felt anything at all um, before it went. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, went to take off with the footy in my hand, and it just went. Um, you know, I sort of had the footy turned, was sort of turned around, expecting to see someone um, standing, you know, behind me. Um, so it felt like I'd been kicked in the back of the car. Yeah. As I fell um, and looked behind me, there was <laughs> there was no one there. So, um, but even at that stage, you know, it wasn't until I got to the bench that um, you know I actually found out I'd done my Achilles. I had no idea. I just just felt like I just needed to get my, my ankle re-strapped again and, um, you know, I'd be right to get out there. Um, so, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a pretty disappointing um, day. and um, But, yeah, it, I suppose it's just part of footy. You would have played in so many memorable matches. What about Boomer's record-breaking game? Is that up there with the highlights of your career? Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of the, the games... Um, you know, really fondly in my memory. Um, probably the ones that, that stand out the most are, 
Um, obviously, you know, your debut, um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to do that in Perth against Fremantle in my first year. So I had all my friends and families. And the other ones that probably the stand out the most are the, you know, the finals that we played at, um, at uh, the MCG. So, you know, we beat Hawthorne in 2007 in a semi-final um, after we'd been belted by Geelong the week before um, by over 100 points and come out and beat them there. And then, you know, the finals against Essendon and then, Geelong um, 2014 and then Richmond 2015. Um, yeah, they were all reasonably close games. Um, they're probably the ones that stand out the most to me. What about the losing prelims? Are they things that uh, you're one week away from the biggest game, but do you kind of wipe those from your mind because they were losses? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, um, probably the, you know, I played in three prelims. Um, you know, we played... I think Port Adelaide in, in 2007, um, yeah, I, I don't think we would have, um, you know, we definitely weren't even, um, you know, anywhere near that. And probably the same when we played Sydney, I think in 2014, we just weren't, you know, weren't quite up to it. But I think probably the one that stands out, probably the one against West Coast, um, when we played them over there and we were up by sort of 25 points or 20-odd points at, at half time. Um, that's probably the one I feel like, you know, if we'd been able to get through, um, you know, we'd sort of matched up reasonably well against Hawthorne um, sort of over the, the sort of previous year or two that, yeah, I really felt like if we'd beaten them, um, you know, we would have had a fair chance at, at winning that grand final. Some wonderful memories of a great career. When we come back on the other side of the break in our final segment, I'll ask what your footy involvement is going to be in years to come, uh, strapping on the boots at the moment. We'll see if Andrew Swallow wants to continue in footy after that. When we come back with our final segment on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. And our final segment with Andrew Swallow. Andrew, um, we talked about how the end came with your career and it was basically your decision. You didn't really get the opportunity, I guess, to say goodbye to the North fans who'd supported you so much. Um, would you have liked that opportunity? Um, oh, it would have been, um, yeah, it would be nice, but I suppose... You always know you, um, the way football is. You don't always get to, to do things when you want to do them. So, um, yeah, probably the one thing I really wanted to do was to go and, and see the, you know, all the guys that I'd, um, you know, played a lot of footy with. So I was able to do that um, in, you know, once they'd gone back to pre-season. Um, so that was probably the one thing that I really wanted to do. And, um, yeah, I was really thankful that the club gave me that opportunity. Who do you reckon's been your best mate from the time at the club? Someone that you feel as though you'll be in contact with from the time that you played together for the rest of your life? Uh, well, yeah, probably um, Ben Warren, who played about 20, oh, 30, maybe 40 games for, mm. for North. He got there the year after and actually playing footy with him um, up at Astley in, in Queensland. So, he, you know, he was probably the main reason why I ended up going and playing with that footy club because of you know, my connection with him. All right, we talked about the fact you've strapped on the boots. What does um, life after playing hold for you as uh, a footballer? Do you want to get involved in coaching? Do you want to stay involved with the game or do you want to move on to different areas of your life? No, I always thought I would, um, you know, I'd never want to do um, coaching, but probably um, the one, you know, actually we spoke about before, but, you know, going back and, um, you know, sort of training and um 
playing at a, a local level and, and the enjoyment from that. And um, the one thing I sort of realised through that is how much knowledge that you do gain and, and, and the enjoyment they actually get about, you know, trying to impart that knowledge into the guys around you. And um, so I definitely think it's something that I, I would like to explore. Um, I'm going to have this year sort of off from, um, you know, from doing anything at, at, at AFL level, but, um, you know, with possibly in, in the NEFL, I'll, um, you know, I'm going to do a bit of coaching with them and, and try and help them out and, you know, hopefully we can you know, have some success there. And just finally, you're a West Australian boy who came to Melbourne to ply his trade and now you're up at Byron. Uh, where do you see yourself living in years to come? <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's a one question my mum and dad would like to know. <laughs> well, so, um, you know, they'd love to have our, both of us boys, um, you know, back in Perth with them. But, it's, yeah, we're, we're not 100% sure, so... Um, you know, we sort of see what we're doing at the moment as a bit of a, um, you know, a, an experience for for the year. And if we really enjoy it, then we might stay. Um, you know, otherwise, yeah, there's always a possibility of, of um, you know, going back to Perth. Um, but yeah, we're definitely enjoying having time up here and, and being close to Dave. So um, yeah, well, yeah, who knows where uh, who the future will take us. Speaking from a, a footy lover's and a commentator's point of view, there are so many enjoyable things about being able to watch as much football as I have over the years. But one of the great joys that I have is seeing players who get every single last drop out of themselves. And I would put you in that category. Congratulations on your great career. So many accolades. I'm glad I got to call you in a premiership in, in the VFL <laughs> in 2008. Thanks for your time, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. No worries at all, Peter. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Andrew Swallow joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll be back at the same time next week right here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.